everyone, I'm Carrie Gann, and this is Health Now, WebMD's podcast about all things health and wellness. Thanks for joining us this week. We've got a great show for you. Browse through any bookstore and you'll eventually come upon the self-help section, where there are more step-by-step guides on changing your ways than you could possibly get through in one lifetime. It makes you wonder whether any of them actually could make you a healthier or more productive person. Our guests today are working on answering that question. Kristen Meinzer and Jolenta Greenberg are the hosts of By the Book, a podcast where they choose one self-help book and follow it to the letter for two weeks straight, letting listeners hear their successes and struggles along the way. Kristen and Jolenta, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. We're so glad to talk to you. So you both have careers as writers and performers. How did you develop this idea for a podcast? Uh, that was me, Jolenta. Um, I'm a comedian, and uh, I met Kristen working a day job in radio. And I've always been kind of a hot mess. A lot of comedians I know are, are messes. And I was always really intrigued by the self-help books we would get sent uh, at this radio station where we were working. And I would sort of hoard them. I was in charge of our mail. And I would hoard all these self-help books because no one wanted them and they weren't going to get covered by the radio station. And I was like, someday I'm going to live by all of these and one of them is going to teach me to not be a hot mess. And then I was like, I know, I'm going to broadcast this because I that's what I do with my life. <laughs> um, and I'm going to make a friend do this with me. Uh, who is more of a good adult? Like, Kristen is your quintessential, like, high-functioning adult. Uh, you know, she's the person where if you're like, hey, I don't know how to manage my money, she'll be like, oh, go see my money guy. Or like, oh, you're buying a house, here's a lawyer you need to talk to. Or You know, she just knows all the grown-up things. So I was like, I'll have Kristen do this with me because if I don't have a sort of level-headed friend, I might, you know, join a cult or I never come back. <laughs> Someone to check all of your life choices and make sure you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah, she's sort of my like control group. <laughs> and I have to say the idea of it, when Jolenta approached me about this, it initially seemed like so much fun to do. But, you know, this was years ago and we both had a lot going on. And it was a lot to juggle. So we tried it initially um, just doing the research phase of it. And, we're, and then we were very realistic with ourselves. We said, in order to do this well, we need to have more time and not have so much on our plates. And so we revisited the idea a couple years later when we were at a different network. And that network actually said, we'll help you make a pilot of the show. And the pilot was so popular and listeners demanded more. And now we've been doing it for five seasons. So it really took off. And I just feel very lucky that Jolenta wanted somebody like me on the journey with her to do this because I can be a little bit of a naysayer with some of these books. I think a lot of them are malarkey. And from the beginning, you were kind of like the skeptic of, you know, all these self-help books. Like Jolenta was very gung-ho and you were a little more like, eh, I'm not sure about this. Yes, yes. And sometimes not so nicely. Sometimes, you know, and Jolenta, you've been very patient with a lot of my uh, criticisms of these books. And um, interestingly, in some ways, Jolent has become more of a critic than she was in the beginning. And in some ways, I've been much more accepting of the books than I ever was in the beginning. Interesting. Um, we'll get back to that in a few minutes. But first, I want to hear, how do you guys choose the books that you live by? I know you get a lot of suggestions from your listeners, but how? what is the process of picking the ones that make it onto the show? Uh, I mean... At first, especially, I wanted to just cover the heavy hitters, 
you know, all those books that like your mom's friends are passing around or you've heard of a thousand times or Oprah covered it when you were a kid and everyone had it, you know. So I think we tend to focus on on popular books, books people have interest in in learning about whether or not they've read them themselves, books people have heard of and just some crazy ones. Yeah. And specifically in the first season, not only did we want to do the heavy hitters, our very first book was The Secret, um, which we thought was like the mother of all modern self-help books and, you know, life-changing magic of tidying up. We did a lot of the heavy hitters, but not just that. We also, during season one, kind of chose books that were more what I would call stunt books, where you really have to push yourself far to live by the book. So when we lived by the life-changing magic of tidying up, we really had to get rid of half of what we owned. When we lived by French Women Don't Get Fat, we actually did have to starve ourselves. There was a period of that book. The the cleansing period or whatever it is. Yeah, where we weren't really allowed to eat at all. And um, there was the book we lived by where we each had to write an e-book in... The the title of the book was... um, how to write an ebook in less than seven to 14 days that will make you money forever. And Jolent and I each wrote a book in that time. So season one was mostly heavy hitters and all of them essentially were stunt books. And as we've gone along, we've, you know, every season, maybe listeners don't hear it, but uh, Jolent and I know there are certain themes each season. So for example, there was one season really that wasn't just about looking inward, but what can you do for the outside world? Books that teach us how to be kind, how to be better stewards of the earth, how to be uh, fighters for all equality. Right. Sort of like speaking to the role we can all play in those larger problems. That's very interesting. Not just like you think of self-help book as focusing on yourself alone, but never thought about the fact that there are, there's another element to it as well. Mm-hmm. Or that can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, not always, but yeah. Not for every book, but some of them. So you mentioned French women don't get fat. Um, in your first season, you decided not to do any diet books on the show after you finished that book, I believe, mm-hmm. was, was the particular book. Tell us about the experience that led to that decision. Because most, I think when people think of self-help books, diet books are one of the things they think of. Yeah, totally. Um, And that's definitely something we thought of too. And we were like, we're going to go with this one that's huge, huge bestseller. And and, uh, we're going to go with the, we decided to go with the one that was a huge bestseller and one that had a reputation for being not too restrictive. Yeah, supposedly it's about the joy of eating, Mm -hmm. not about punishment. At least that's, the tagline essentially what they say they're about yeah um and so we're like this is okay it's sort of about your relationship with food and it's about you know creating a healthier dynamic overall with how you think about it but in the end it was a pretty basic diet book where there's you know three days where you only have boiled leek water and, you know, you starve yourself and lose some water weight so it looks like you're making progress. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a weight loss plan, and it, it, I feel like weight loss plans don't necessarily help people, especially if they're sort of generally prescribed by a book and not individualized by, you know, a physician. It was just detrimental to our health. We went nuts. Kristen, uh, you know, had some difficulties sort of spiraling back into disordered eating habits, and it just kicked off a really bad mindset. And and we came to the conclusion that 
anything that is restrictive or hurts us or makes us sick is at its essence not self-help because it's not helpful. Yeah. And then on top of that, Jolent and I strongly believe in our hearts that there's not an inherent value in being thin. We mm-hmm. don't think you're a better person or a stronger person or a more productive person or a more lovable person because you're thin. Like being thin is not the same as like finding gratitude. Yes. Yes. It's not the same thing. And we shouldn't necessarily be celebrating weight loss. Um, there are only a few situations where I can think like, you know, weight loss is related very specifically to a certain medical issue. And so if you get yourself to a point because the doctor wanted you to lose weight to help with this one issue, you know, maybe we can applaud it then, but we would never prescribe weight loss for everybody and we would never celebrate it as if in its own right, it is a good. Right. Well, and to your point, that's often something that if you really need to lose weight, it's probably best to do that with a doctor's guidance. Are there any changes that you've made in all the books that you've tried that you've stuck with after the two-week window was over? And on the other side of that, were you some that you were like, I am really ready for this to be over? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So So many many. of the latter. I I have some of the former as well. I mean, for me, I loved the life-changing magic of tidying up, and I still fold all my clothes in little spirals. I have a very good inventory of like what's coming in and out of my home. I've become much more of a minimalist, as is my husband. Jolenta's condo, by the way, is a showcase. It is beautiful, and every Aww, piece thanks. looks like it's supposed to be there. She just doesn't have extra crap sitting around anywhere. I mean, I definitely have tchotchkes. They're just very heavily curated. Um, yeah. And that's really stuck with me. And like we live by Zero Waste Home, and I started composting. So I've definitely kept some changes. Yeah. But mostly I try to erase all the rules of the self-help book the second we're done living by it. Because <laughs> I'm not going to write thank you notes every five minutes like one book told me to do. <laughs> I loved saying thank you. I, was... I like saying thank you. I just don't like being told to write letters. <laughs> I really liked when we lived by The Nature Fix. The mm-hmm. Nature Fix, it's um, a book that really encourages people to – enjoy and connect with nature, whether it's looking out your window at the sky or opening the window so a breeze can hit your face or walking down your city streets or hiking in the woods or going on a camping trip. I don't want to go on a camping trip, by the way. I'm not going to do that part, but I love not camping. Not my thing. Not my thing. But, you know, during that book, I got so much joy from observing every flower and listening to every bird. And these are things I already kind of habitually did as a hobby anyway. But boy, did I throw my back into it during that book. And ever since then, I have kept a flower garden. Ever since then, I bird watching has become even more a part of my life than it was before that book. And it's made my life better. And for me, as far as like my mental health journey goes... Um, you know, something I work with a lot in my personal life in therapy is is the self-talk I use. And we lived by a book that was by an actual doctor, which you guys check out where the doctorates come from on some of these self-help <laughs> authors. A lot of them are honorary and or purchased. Ah, diploma mills. <laughs> um, but an actual doctor wrote uh, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. It's a Shad Helmstutter who wrote it. And It was a really good book, nice and straightforward, and sort of helped me understand the way uh, self-talk actually affects me and how I am wiring my neural pathways and how they can be rewired through practice and repetition. And I think about that book at least on a weekly basis still. And when you say self-talk, you mean like 
you know, sort of the, the commentary that you're you're running in your head about like the kind of person you are or what you're doing right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, I'd say a lot of people's are are quite critical, and you know, a lot of the times we don't even examine where that that inner monologue has come from, who it's been informed by, or or what institutions, and it, it's like. It was a nice sort of reality check to be like, you are more in control of how you use your mind, especially when you talk to yourself, and and you can consciously make an effort to to change it and, and make your outlook a little more bright or just be kinder to yourself. Yeah, that's a positive outcome, I would say, from a self-help book. There's obviously no shortage of advice on how to live a healthy, productive life out there. Obviously, we're WebMD. We have plenty of that on our site. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've gone to you guys many a time. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Why do you think that so many people turn to self-help books? What is it about this genre that really speaks to people, like the reaction you guys got even from the pilot episode of your show? Mm. Yeah. I think it's, it's twofold. I'll, I'll take the first fold. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with shame and the stigma for asking for help. So if you are struggling with something and maybe you can't afford a therapist, don't know how to find one, don't know where to turn, period, it's pretty easy to, like, buy a book, run to the bookstore, order one online, download one to your iPad. Like, it's a nice sort of incognito way to be vulnerable and work on yourself that that doesn't put you out there so much and set you up for any real humiliation because you're just by yourself reading a book. Yeah. And the second fold is that most of the people who read self-help books, there was a Goodread study that found that two-thirds of self-help readers are women, even though two-thirds of the writers are men, um, and that women are, to a great extent, and have historically been left out of the healthcare system. They've been left out of medicine. Mm-hmm. It's alternative medicine when it yeah, involves I women. Yeah, I mean, women's bodies are essentially anomalous uh, compared to the norm, which is the male body that, that science and medicine tends to, to study and look at first. Yeah, so it makes sense that when our giant systems and our internal lives are in those kinds of conflict with each other, that people would want to get help in some way and that self-help would make sense for them. And sometimes I wonder, when I've listened to your show, sometimes I wonder if some people are just sort of looking for help with something they may not want to talk to a doctor about, or they may not feel like Mm -hmm. a doctor could help them with. So maybe they feel like they are looking for a solution in the bookstore, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. We both have said repeatedly on our show and to each other that there's a lot of shame and a lot of what people have written to us about from listening to buy the book that they've gotten has not been their takeaway about the books we've lived by, but by the fact that Jolenta and I don't have shame when we talk about things that we've been through. So people will listen and they'll hear, oh my gosh, they were completely forthright about the fact that they dated somebody who was horrible to them, or they have an eating disorder, or I have ADHD, or I have um, you know, surgery on my gynecological issues. Whatever it is, we'll talk openly about it, and listeners will hear, oh my God, they just talked about that thing I'm too ashamed about, and I decided to buy a book about and they talked about it so openly that maybe I can deal with this. Maybe I can talk with somebody about it. And this whole time I thought I should get a book because I didn't think anyone else had this problem. But you know what? We all have problems, and a lot of them overlap with each other. Right. And this kind of gets to my, my next question. Um, a big part of the show, as we've kind of referenced a few times, is personal acceptance and positivity. Why do you think that's an important concept for people to keep in mind 
as they're trying self-help books. I think about this a lot, uh, mainly because sometimes we get criticism about us being too nice to each other, which I find fascinating. That's mm -hmm. very interesting. Because I highly doubt you would hear that criticism about two male hosts. Hmm. Um, and I think in general, the self-help industry, the wellness industry is built on uh, a foundation of you are flawed and you gotta fix it. On top of that, I mean, one thing, I already said this, two-thirds of self-help authors are men, two-thirds of consumers are women. What I didn't mention is those men are frequently already born on third base and they're saying, if I can do it, you can mm -hmm. too. Like I was raised wealthy and started a supplement company when everyone else did and made a bunch of money and sold it. Like just do that and then travel like me. Yeah, just be <laughs> like me. Just have just have like a horseback archery hobby on the side while you're making money <laughs> in your sleep. Just do that while being an action star in Hong Kong. Like we've had <laughs> authors who actually have these kinds of instructions. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you can be the biggest, most positive thinker in the whole world, and if you're not born with all of those advantages, you still probably won't end up where that author is. Right. You know, we do our best to be positive, but, you know, we also will call people out when they say positivity can fix all your problems because... it can't. Because it can't. <laughs> There's a difference between positivity and magical thinking. When you're reading a book, are there signs that tell you if the book is going to be helpful or not? Do you have any tricks that you'd tell your best friend or a family member on how to tell a good one from a bad one? There are a few things that I am, um, I always see as red flags. Yeah. I'll tell you things that I see immediately. I'm like, nope. So one thing is when people say, if I can do it, you can too. Um, or when they say, when you do this, this happens. Because everybody is an individual. And I think that to somehow make sweeping statements about all people isn't going to work. And also whenever they use words like guaranteed, some books we've lived mm -hmm. by, including Miracle Morning, they use terms like the one guaranteed way to transform your life. There's no such thing as only one way, and there's no such thing as guaranteed. Both of those are false statements. So there are certain things that just make me automatically think, ding, 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 false advertising, mm -hmm. this is snake oil, and those are a few of the things right there. That makes sense. And to that point, you also do a great job of of calling out those books and concepts that are that are pretty bogus on the show. Um, are there any health or wellness trends that you've fallen for in the past that you now sort of regret? I feel like there isn't yeah. because I learn just as much, if not more, from the things I, I end up hating and sort of exploring why I hate these things than That's I do true. when I just love a book, you know, because I have to really dig into like, what about this is rubbing me the wrong way? Is it my own roadblocks? Is it the way the information's presented? Is the information faulty? What are my beliefs on this subject? You know, so I've yet to really, really regret one. Yeah, and I would say French women don't get that. That's, that's the only was, one. That was very, very tough for both of us and me in particular. But even then, I don't regret it because that episode resulted in so many people reaching out to us. Even mm -hmm. as recently as this week, we've gotten a letter uh, from somebody who said, I felt so alone in this. I didn't know other people went through this. I didn't know that I had the option to not be on a diet until I mm -hmm. listened to that episode because so many female identifying people in the world from day one have been told you're supposed to lose weight to be valuable and to be useful and to be lovable. And to just have people write in so often and say that's the one episode that made me realize like there's more to your show than being a comedy show. And 
I have learned to be kinder to myself because of you. So I don't regret it because how much it connected with other people, even though it was very painful and I wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah. This show really <laughs> blurs the lines between your work and your personal lives. Um, your home lives, your health, your struggles are often part of each show. And listeners know that your partners, Dean and Brad, even feature prominently in most of the episodes. So do you have to set certain boundaries to keep work-life balance, which is something that, you know, a lot of people strive for. Hold on. What's work-life balance? Yeah, I feel like we <laughs> should set those, of? but we don't. Oh, interesting. I feel like I'm learning about that right now, but I, I don't know. I think the point, especially of by the book, is to show how these books sort of holistically affect a person and what it's like to try and live a life with chores and going to meetings and such and husbands and spouses and other people. What it's like to try to work on yourself with very strict rules while maintaining a life. And it's like, can that be done? These books tend to, to sort of assume you exist in a vacuum for however long you're reading it or working on their, their material. Yeah. Right. And then, I mean... I would say on top of that, Jolent and I both really love to work, and me in yeah. particular, it's definitely... She's a, a maniac. It's a punchline on the show where um, some people think I'm a workaholic, but I also just see work as like my number one hobby, and I see it as therapeutic, and I see work as its own version of self-care for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't see it as like a horrible thing. I She's love to really work. rationalized her way through this. <laughs> <laughs> You've been I thinking about this for a little while. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But as somebody who really <laughs> loves to work, um, it, it does, you know, sometimes the idea of like, where's the work-life balance? I don't know. It's all the same to me. I love it all. It ebbs and flows. Yes, it does. It's all the same. <laughs> well, I do appreciate that about the show, actually, how, you know, when you read these books, it's like, oh, that sounds easy I can do that and then you actually try to put it in practice in your life and you're like wait I have to I have to do this thing at work or I'm not feeling well this week how am I gonna you mm -hmm. know carry out this book so that is interesting to see how it actually plays out yeah there's a book that that really stood out in last year we lived by it was called pick three yeah, by Randy Zuckerberg <laughs> and in that book she's like okay we all have five priorities and we all want to do all five a day but we can't so just pick three your priorities are if they're the same as mine are always fitness work sleep friends and then um, I forgot what the last one was. Uh, entertainment or something but, but, boring. But I'm just thinking, like, how do I get to pick sleep or not pick sleep? How do I get to pick work or not pick work? Also, some of us have bigger obligations beyond those five categories, like grocery shopping or mm -hmm. doing laundry. And none of those priorities fit in there. Or what if somebody gets sick? Or, you know, what would happen if I didn't pick work for a month as one of my pick three for the day? I just am not going to show up at work for a month. Um, so... Yeah, the whole idea of living these books means that you must live in an alternate reality in some cases. What do you do when you can't necessarily fulfill all of the requirements of a book? Do you just, you know, kind of pick and choose the ones that you think, this is what I can accomplish this week, or are there other criteria that you're, that you're using? We do every single thing we can to live by every book as loyally as we can, and we read each book with a fine-tooth comb. Jolent and I write back to each other saying, is this the way you read this one line? On page 37, can you look at this? We really do a very close reading of every book and do our best to follow everything that we can logically do within two weeks. However, in some cases, we've gotten sick. For example, when we were doing Miracle Morning, <laughs> waking up 
two to three hours earlier every day than we normally would, even if we had to do a late night work event until two in the morning and still wake up at four the next day, it just eventually ate into both of our health. And Jolenta in particular. Um, I got sick. She got sick. And so there's no way that I'm going to say, Jolenta, you have to keep living by this book even though you have a 100 degree fever. Like, no. Yeah, I tap no out once in a while. I'm, I'm, I tap out more than Kristen. I'll be like, I hated that stat where Kristen <laughs> will be like, I tortured myself because yeah. we said we would accountability. Yeah, but for <laughs> the most part, both of us do try very yes. hard for the most part to uh, really show what happens when you live by each of these books as loyally as you can. You guys have obviously tried so many different approaches to health and wellness. What is your own definition of a healthy life? I think that for me, healthy is living with kindness and uh, having love. I know this is going to sound super, (laughs) super mushy, but there was a book we lived by called The Art of Dying Well. And in that book, one thing that we're supposed to explore is what we want our legacy to be. During that book, I really thought what is most important to me. And ideally, it's that I put some kindness out into the world and that maybe after I'm gone, Whoever I was kind to can pass that on to somebody else, and it just can hopefully go on and on and on. Because to me, wellness is about having love and decency and spreading some kindness in the world. And whenever I do that, I'm happier, and I feel like I'm doing something to make the world a little bit better. Well, that's right. What really about you, Jolenta? <laughs> <laughs> feel free to follow um, it I up, Jolenta. I, <laughs> I always think of wellness as like the campsite rule. You know, leave it, leave it nicer than you found it. And like, hopefully you enjoy, you enjoyed yourself as well. And whether it's the world around you or yourself, wellness is about like, you know, taking time to enjoy the moment, but also being mindful enough to make sure that moment isn't leaving, you know, destruction in its wake, but, but maybe leaving whatever you're dealing with in a bit better shape than when you found it. That works for me. You guys should write a self-help good, book. Good. That sounds that <laughs> sounds pretty legitimate. <laughs> um, well, Kristen Meiser, Jolenta Greenberg, hosts of By the Book podcast, thank you so much for chatting with us today. We really enjoyed it. Thank, thank you. you. This was so nice. And now for our Tweak of the Week. Did Jolenta and Kristen inspire you to check into some self-help books? These steps can help you make the best choices. First, check out the author's credentials. Lots of people call themselves experts these days. Appearing on TV doesn't make you one. Then, make sure ideas in the book are based on research and valid psychological principles. And as with people, be wary of books that make promises they can't keep. You aren't going to drop 10 pounds in a week. Always beware of one-size-fits-all solutions. No piece of advice works across the board for every person or every situation. Also, choose books that offer specific guidance on how to use them and ways to keep track of your success. And finally, if you have a serious problem, you'll be better served finding a real person to help you, like a doctor or a therapist, not a book. That's all for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Talk to you next time.